0: and gentlemen to Francis Watch on the Restoration Radio Network. I am your host, Justin Soder, and this evening, as always, I have the great privilege of sharing the company with our usual show guests, His Excellency Bishop Donald Sanborn, rector of Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida, and Father Anthony Chicata, assistant pastor of Saint Gertrude the Great Catholic Church in Westchester, Ohio. Your Excellency and Father, thanks so much for joining us again for another another roller coaster on Francis Watch. Thank you for having me to be here. <laughs> Francis Watch is sponsored by Novus Ordo Watch. Are you wondering what has happened to the Roman Catholic Church? Are you confused, shocked, or alarmed at what Francis has been saying recently? Then log on to NovusOrdoWatch.org for traditional Catholic news and information with insightful commentary and razor-sharp analysis. Since 2002, Novus Ordo Watch has been exposing the Vatican II Church and its false popes by comparing and contrasting their new religion with the true religion, the modernist Novus Ordo teachings with the teachings of the Catholic Church. Go to org. That's org to see why Francis is not a true Pope and how the modernist Vatican II sect differs from the Catholic Church. That's org. To receive entire access to our full catalog of, of Restoration Radio episodes, please visit restorationradionetwork.com. Go to the member area on the menu and find out details on becoming a member. Well... Your Excellency and Father, there's a lot of news from last month, and uh, it, it's it's almost becoming impossible to do this show in our two-hour time slot, but we're going to give it our best shot. Uh, before we dive into the meat of our show, we have a few late-breaking stories that, that just surfaced today, which I think merit comment from both Your Excellency and Father, uh, because once we get started into the meat of the show, it's going to be quite fast, so we don't want to forget to comment on these. And the first one, I feel like I should have a drum roll for this, but we should probably save it for the big the big show title here in a minute or two, but this is a story that came out of the UK, uh, is the UK Telegraph, I believe, talking about Pope Francis, no, pardon me, the UK Independent. Pope Francis declares evolution and Big Bang Theory are right, and God isn't a magician with a magic wand, and the quote from the article is this. Speaking at the Pontifical Academy of the Sciences, the Pope made comments which experts say put an end to the pseudo-theories, quote-unquote, of creationism and intelligent design that some argue were encouraged by his predecessor, Benedict XVI. Francis explained that both scientific theories were not incompatible with the existence of a creator, arguing instead that they require it. When we read about the creation in Genesis, we run the risk of imagining God was a magician with a magic wand able to do everything, but that is not so. Unquote, Francis said.
1: Well, in the catechism it says God is omnipotent, it also says that uh, it is a doctrine of the faith that God made all things out of nothing. Uh, God is capable of turning a frog into a prince and a prince into a frog. Now, if that is m- magic, uh, you, know, they, you know, it's a blasphemy. What I'm trying to say is that to to speak about the omnipotence of God as if He were some sort of an, a magician is a blasphemy, and then he is denying the omnipotence of God, because God can do, he can draw something from nothing, which is the greatest of all acts uh, with regard to nature, and then he can change something in nature to anything else he wants. That That is part of his omnipotence. So, again, Bergoglio doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, he shouldn't be talking about science or Genesis, because he is... Ignorant and, and brainless on both of these items. Uh, he's brainless in general. You know, he's, we've already proven in other shows that he, you know, he's a very limited intelligence. And he's ignorant. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know the Catholic doctrine of omnipotence. He doesn't know the Catholic doctrine of creation. And certainly he doesn't know anything about science, and we have to conclude that. So he's really talking just stupidities and, and, and nonsense. And blasphemy.
2: Moreover, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to all that, there's this: um, the, the the tone in which he put all of this is to pander to the uh, prejudices of, of the modern secular world. the the idea of, of God as a a uh, magician. Using that type of language is the type of contemptuous language that the so-called rationalists use, the secularists use, to poo-poo religion. And the fact that he would fall into the, uh, the use of those uh, terms as he was uttering his blasphemy is, uh, makes it even worse, to my way of thinking.
1: The, the doctrine of creation is, in a certain sense, the most important religious doctrine and I'll explain that because it puts a necessary dependence of the creature upon God and it makes God his ultimate end and therefore puts an obligation of obedience to the law of God upon the creature and this is before you get to any revealed religion this is just natural religion, what we call natural religion that there is a creator and there is a creature and obviously the creator has all the rights over the creature Evolution wants to destroy that and therefore destroy the very foundations of religion itself. In in evolutionism, there is an atheism and it wants to impose an atheism through the denial of creation and the relationship of creature to creator. No religion is possible if God is not creator. It's impossible to have any religion if God is not creator.
0: Your Excellency, so let me ask you a question. Um, this is something I've seen sort of floating around in, in the blogosphere, and certainly on some of the news articles that we're going to reference this evening. And you know, last year you know, we took a little heat for the constant, you know, chiding Bergoglio as being stupid and a mental midget and an idiot. And now everyone is saying this man is an idiot. So now I guess now you know the terms <laughs> idiot and stupid those are in vogue now. I guess, but um, you, you know, the the term or I'm brainless seeing,
1: might be a little bit more charitable.
0: <laughs> uh the the trend that I'm seeing now is that people are somehow equating ignorance and stupidity of relieving him of culpability from from the statements that he's making. Well, he's too dumb to know what he's saying, so therefore, uh he's, you know, he's to be let off the hook here. What would your answer be to that, your excellency? Well, he
1: he's he was born in 1936 in a uh will say a pious Italian family and and he went to, to school, a uh, Catholic school, and he learned his catechism. All you have to know is the catechism to know that God made all things, uh, uh, that he made all things from nothing. You cannot possibly excuse this man on ignorance about the catechism. His formation was totally traditional. Then he became a Jesuit priest, and even in the 50s and early 60s, he would have learned those things the Catechism. it wasn't that bad at that time and argentina was fairly conservative so this is a, a man who has become a modernist and has embraced the new religion which uh you know just essentially atheism and he uh has uh, just uh, he has abandoned the catholic faith that he learned as a child so there this is not a question of Theological subtleties in which he is making some missteps uh, because he he doesn't have enough understanding or enough brains to figure it out. This is a catechism, and, and uh, but there is this constant chorus from the conservatives, uh, I, the the Novus Ordo conservatives, to excuse these modernists, and this weakens the any kind of resistance that they give to this thing. No matter what he says, uh, everything is excused. There there is some sort of uh, excusing cause, and he's all right, and we don't have to worry.
0: The second story that we're going to cover here in a little introductory segment is, uh, this is also a story that broke today on uh, Novus Ordo Watch, along with a video attached to it, which our listeners can go see for themselves. There was a meeting of the Communion of Evangelical Episcopal Churches with Bergoglio at Casa Santa Marta on October the 10th. Uh, apparently, this uh, this meeting was organized by Bergoglio's late friend Tony Palmer, the, uh, the the Pentecostal lay bishop who was trying to get everybody under the same roof here. And and uh, so we have this um, we have this revelation which shows Bergoglio as this radical ecumenical destroyer of Catholic teaching. And there's a video entitled "The Miracle of Unity" where Bergoglio is seen sitting in a group of laymen wearing cassocks and collars and telling them the quote. Focusing on differences between Christian denominations is sinning against Christ's will. Unquote, and that quote, our shared baptism is more important than our differences. Unquote, and finally, the the zinger is quote, we all have the Holy Spirit within us. Unquote. We're going to put a link here on the show uh, in the show notes, and you can go check this out for yourselves. Your excellency, what would you say to this?
1: Well, again. He- this is a man that despises dogma. I just saw a commentary on him the other day. People, not dogma. That That is Bergoglio in three words. He constantly bangs away at dogma as something inimical to people, as something that is burdening the Catholic religion. This insistence upon dogma—this is something that must go because it is an obstacle to opening up to people and accepting people and being charitable to people. So this—it's just another uh, another uh, verse in in the whole uh, the whole chorus that, that that is being sung by him. Uh, and uh, the the—it's uh, nothing new. It's, it, he is an enemy of dogma. If he is an enemy of dogma he is an enemy of the catholic faith. The the catholic faith is filled with dogmas. The very definition of faith is is the assent to the dogmas of the catholic church. You cannot have the virtue of faith unless you assent to the dogmas of the catholic church. So he is attacking the catholic faith itself in saying these things. Dogmas do not divide, they unite. The catholic church under Pius XII was completely united. In dogma, and it still is, because those who do not accept the dogmas of the Catholic Church are automatically outside of her walls. This is a the, the the Catholic Church is a society of faith, and your entrance and and your ability to stay in the Catholic Church depends upon your profession of faith in the dogmas of the Catholic Church.
3: The
2: thing that I found interesting here. Uh, too is is the same element that was in his uh famous uh in the famous film that he made for uh uh, uh tony palmer earlier this year the, the the brother bishop film uh referring to palmer as his, his uh, brother bishop you see in uh films like this bergoglio's unscripted remarks and you really get a sense of how bad he is uh, his uh, pronouncements, uh, his prepared pronouncements, such as undoubtedly uh, was the speech to the Science Academy, where he uh, talked about the God as a magician, was uh, was something that was prepared. But if you let him off the leash of a prepared text, you really get a sense of the man, and it's it's uh, even worse. You see that in uh, this particular film that uh, he really has given the store away as far as the purpose of the church goes that it, it, um, it uh, that what the church teaches uh, really doesn't matter it's it's merely this common action that we have to have uh together and uh, that uh, this is what uh, uh, this is what what Christ expects of us and he even made a joke uh, at one point in the film about um uh, theology where he said that that uh, uh es- essentially this that it's it's not uh important uh really whether one is a, a Roman Catholic or uh, whether one is a uh Lutheran or whether one is uh orthodox but um rather the uh He says that God isn't, uh, or the Holy Ghost isn't with me only because I'm Roman Catholic. No, he's not with me because I'm Lutheran. No, not because I'm Orthodox. Then he laughs, and he said, uh, it's a disaster theologically to say this. And then he goes on. (laughs) Well, it sure is. That shows
3: that he's guilty.
2: (laughs) You let let him off the leash, and you see the, uh, the utter contempt that he has for theology.
1: It's a constant theme. He doesn't let up. There is no Catholic God. He never lets up on that theme of opposing dogma to religion, as if Mm -hmm. two things that are opposed. You can't have true religion unless you abandon dogma. It's just constant. He never stops. He's obsessed with that thought. Mm -hmm. And then that, that we all have the Holy Ghost in us, the Holy Spirit, that That is false, as if the Holy Spirit is in all men by nature. That That's pure modernism. That's what St. Pius X condemns in Pashendi, in his uh, encyclical on modernism. He condemns that. Uh, the only way that the Holy Ghost is in you is if you are in the state of sanctifying grace. Now, it is true that God is everywhere, but we're not talking about that. We're not talking about an indwelling of the holy ghost in the soul that is in the state of sanctifying grace but there is not this indwelling this activity of the supernatural activity of the holy ghost in souls that are in the state of mortal sin and objectively if you do not adhere to the catholic faith your soul is in the state of mortal sin objectively only god is the judge of your ignorance etc but objectively you're in the state of mortal sin
0: Father, that's interesting because I noticed the same thing watching that video. Uh, you, you, know, you see Bergoglio straining. I mean, it, it, it's almost painful. I mean, even though he's not speaking in English, it, it's painful to watch him churn these words out. It's like he's he's having a difficult time expressing himself. It, it, it is interesting to watch. People should go watch that video uh, entitled "The Miracle of Unity." Um, this leads us in to what Father aptly titled the Francis Watch Horror of the Month. Which uh, we should have a we should have a drum roll for this. It's. Um, I mean, how else do you launch it into it? It doesn't just you, come on
2: Halloween with him. Right, right.
0: We have uh, so we have the title. I'll just say it. It's horrible to even say this. God does not exist, and uh, this was uh, this came out on uh, November. Excuse me, October the ninth. And uh, this is the quote from Bergoglio. And this is so, it, this is so difficult to even read this because it just, it's so broken, it makes, it, it makes no sense. But here's the quote. I'll, I'll try and suffer through it. Quote, so often people ask, but do you believe? Yes, yes. But what do you believe in? In God. But what is God for you? God, God. But God does not exist. Do not be shocked. So God does not exist. There is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are persons. They are not some vague idea in the clouds. This God spray does not exist. The three persons exist. Your Excellency, I know those of you who get your newsletter uh, have already read your thoughts on this, but for the thousands that are going to be listening to this who do not uh, uh, get the newsletter, what would you like to say about this comment?
1: Again, it goes back to the Catechism: What is the Blessed Trinity? One God and three divine persons and And the Catholic dogma is that there is a single divine essence or substance, and there are three persons who are equally divine that that there this the the divine essence uh, is in three divine persons equal in divinity, equal in power, equal in dignity. And this is a supernatural mystery. If people have always tried to understand the oneness of God and the and the threeness of God, uh, and the three persons in God, and it is a supernatural mystery. It is impossible to totally understand it. But we do know enough from what uh, our blessed Lord has revealed to us, that there is one God in three divine persons. And He denies the one God. He denies the single divine essence. If you deny the single divine essence, and he blasphemously calls that a God spray or a God mist, uh, just blasphemous, bold blasphemy, Uh, if you deny that, you have to then conclude that there are three separate gods because if they do not have this single divine essence in common uh then then there are three gods there there is no uh there's there's no oneness in them they are three different gods three different persons as three different gods uh it, there's no other way out of it uh, and that was all uh, the, the the sad thing is this was all defined and and discussed at length in the early church for him to come out with a Trinitarian heresy like this, it's just crazy. I mean, what kind of a, a nut is this? There And to, to, to pronounce those horrid words before the whole world, God does not exist, so that he can be quoted forever and ever as saying God does not exist and saying it twice. I mean, you would tremble to say those words. Your lips would would become stiff before you would say those words and mean them. But he, he, here he is, supposedly, the, the standard of Catholic faith throughout the world, and he says, God does not exist. It cries to heaven for punishment, and, and, and it's just awful.
2: The statement, when I first read it, <coughs> struck me as... Um, it was like mormonism the idea of 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 uh, uh, three separate gods and uh, it is uh, so bizarre that uh, someone who supposedly was raised with a traditional catholic faith would say something so obviously wrong you uh, really have to wonder what's if if, if what's going on in uh, in his head how careless he is and he just uh, does not seem to care what he says even about something as as uh, bishop Sanborn said as as uh, uh, defined and and uh, uh clearly spoken of as the mystery of the blessed trinity so it's 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 uh, uh blasphemous and uh boldly blasphemous and uh, uh Crazily Holistic. irresponsible. I mean, it's 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 <laughs> I'm I, mm-hmm. uh, you know stuttering for
1: words. <laughs>
0: it's and, difficult and for I me think to read that. it
1: shows that he has no Catholic faith. The Catholic faith, that supernatural virtue, would stop you from saying that. Yeah. You would you would say I I can't even think this. If it came to your head, you would say there's something wrong with this. There's something wrong with me if I'm thinking this. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody, a, a common farmer or, or person who couldn't read and write uh, would say that. But I, I, there's just something wrong with this. And and he comes out with these things. that There is no Catholic God. Things that that would just make you shudder for fear of, of a, a divine bolt from heaven. He has no... He, you know, there's nothing stopping him. I, I, I think it's proof positive that there is no virtue of faith in him; that he is capable of saying such things.
2: I would say, Your Excellency, in addition to that, there is the the chaos side to his his personality, which you certainly will see when we we talk about the synod, and uh, perhaps he figures that by saying these these uh, crazy things. Uh, like this, that are in fact so shocking that the chaos he creates will uh, further the revolution will uh, and further the development of the church. in I yes, think
1: right. He sees. He has a crazy, crazy idea, yeah. that, which is really from the devil, that, yeah. that chaos is good.
0: As we're going to see later in the program, several other commentators have said the same thing, that it's about chaos and disorder and um, just you know he's he's completely out of control people are starting to see this and and uh, even even within the no sort of hierarchy people are starting to see this so as our listeners know each month on francis watch we are treated to a new buzzword or a new uh a new slam from bergoglio and uh, we we've heard things such as neo Pelagian christians we've heard creed reciting parrot christians we've heard all kinds of things and this month we are treated to theological Byzantisms, which is uh, quite interesting. This is a news story which came out of the Vatican Insider on September the 26th from Andrea Tornielli. Uh, in one of the passages of his speech to, to the Focolare movement, who are currently holding their general assembly, Francis reiterated his vision of a church that resembles a field hospital, explaining the dynamics of evangelization. Quote, it pains the heart when we see a church faced with a humanity with so many wounds, moral, existential, of war, making philosophical, theological, and spiritual Byzantisms, while lacking a spirituality of action, a spirituality of going forth instead of staying closed indoors. This is not good. This is Byzantism. Your Excellency, what is he talking about here?
1: Oh, It's the same old theme and variation, the same old stuff. It's people, not dogma and now he's putting the the term byzantism byzantine uh, thinking uh, this refers to, in general to a very minute uh, and detailed distinctions that really make no sense that uh, that's the, the the history of that word byzantine thinking and byzantine theology and uh, it, it's uh, it's endless discussions about nothing and and useless uh, distinctions, uh, sophistry essentially. He that's what he's calling dogma. That 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 is the that is his term for dogma. Again, it's under attack. He, it it's like a a man obsessed. He's got it on the brain. He can't open his mouth without attacking the very notion of dogma, and 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 he opposes that to the compassion that we should have for all of these people, and the translation of that is we should abandon the dogma and the moral teaching of the Church and embrace these people as they are, that is, with their sins, that is, approve of their sins, give them the sacraments, make them people in good standing in the Catholic Church, because that is the modern culture, that's where it's going, and we can't turn these people away. And to turn them away is to uh, is to uh, be Byzantine. That's all it is. It's the same old thing that he says all the time.
2: There is saying a, that it's <clears throat> uh saying that you have inj- injured people, and uh, and he actually says this, and you're worried about their cholesterol levels. <laughs> <laughs> That's something to worry about. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess so. But it, it's it's a. Um, uh, it's, it's to run down the whole idea of uh, dogma and distinctions in theology. And, you know, you talk about keeping uh, people from dying. Well, I mean, wrong teachings lead to spiritual death, don't they?
1: Yes. So, the reason why we have abortion is because of an intellectual error. All all evil in in the practical order begins with a bad idea, a false idea. In in the Middle Ages, if you suggested abortion, you would probably have been burned. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even in the 1960s, you would have been arrested if you had committed an abortion. But bad ideas produce very grave evils. And the way that you cure people of their evils is by giving them the right ideas and especially divine revelation, the holy Catholic faith, which means dogmas.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a second quote in the same story that I wanted to bring to both Your Excellency and Father's attention. It says, Bergoglio is comparing the church to a field hospital. Quote, It bends down to embrace and heal the seriously wounded before carrying out all the necessary examinations. It tries to keep them from dying. That is to say that any concerns regarding people's adherence to the church's moral teachings and disciplines comes second. Unquote. So now we have a field hospital instead.
1: Yeah, this is an absurd analogy. I mean, this, this is hardly even worth talking about. This is an absurdity to to make such an analogy. The the purpose of the church is first to preach the gospel, then to give the sacraments. Uh, what dost thou ask of the Church of God? The answer is faith. What does faith give thee? Life everlasting. Then we baptize you. It, we don't baptize you before we have that profession of faith, and you cannot approach the baptismal font until you are first instructed. That's the Catholic Church. That's the Catholic faith. We, you know, To, to say, well, we're going to distribute all the sacraments to everybody despite whatever condition they're in morally, is just to abandon Catholicism.
0: We have a story coming out on October the 6th from the tablet.ko.uk article by Hannah Roberts uh, entitled, Francis says the church must reach out a hand, not beat with a stick, and recognize the world has changed. Pope Francis has stated that the church, quote, must not withdraw into dogma, unquote, and should recognize that the world has changed. He told an Argentinian newspaper, quote, The world has changed, and the church cannot withdraw into supposed interpretations of dogma. We have to approach these social difficulties, both new and old, by extending a hand to give comfort, not by stigmatizing and criticizing people. Same
1: old, same old, same old.
0: Yeah, this is just a retread.
1: (laughs) Yes, that stigmatizing means applying the moral law to them, and we can't do that. Uh, it's it's really the same thing. It's all and he
2: goes it. to um, he goes to give an interview to do this. He goes out of his way to uh, <laughs> promote this particular idea. It Doesn't just come up in the normal course of his day-to-day stupidity in the Santa Marta, but uh, he actually calls up this this newspaper and uh, makes a point of saying this it's it's uh, it, uh, as we go through the quotes it's a campaign mhm it's a it's mm. it, it's it's a campaign that he's uh started intoning last year his contempt for dogma and as a, a run up to the circus of the senate uh he just sounded the same note time and time again in uh, his his uh speeches uh, in his uh, homilies at Santa Marta and stuff like this, like this interview.
0: Another part of this article, same same one here, where apparently Francis was asked if if, if he had an objection to the publication of the book that uh, we spoke about last episode that reinforced traditional marital values and traditional church teaching on a marriage. It was a book published by five Novus Ordo cardinals, including Raymond Burke, who was the former head of the Apostolic Signatura. Uh, setting out their position against revising prohibition on divorced, remarried Catholics receiving communion. Bergoglio says, uh, quote, everyone has something to contribute. It gives me pleasure to have debates with conservative bishops when the arguments are intellectually well formed, unquote. I I said to myself, what is this? Is this a game? Is, Is this a high school debate team here? This is the Catholic faith. You
1: know, it's it's modern. It's not the Catholic faith. It's modernism. Well, uh, if you read again, St. Pius X, he says that there, uh, in the modernist system, there should be a give and take between the progressive wing and the conservative wing, and from that you get a synthesis, something down the middle, and and that's how you, which is to- totally Hegelian, and that's how you make progress in theology. So there is a place for the conservatives.
2: Uh, another point in here. Um, That I notice is he uh, sets up this uh, really false dichotomy, as I see it, about uh, supposedly rejecting cohabiting couples. What he wants to do is um, give them a free pass as far as the uh, continuation of of their fornication or the continuation of uh, their adultery, and he uh, sets up a dichotomy between that, their lapses uh, when it comes to the moral law, and the other obligations that uh, any normal Catholic would have to assist at Mass um, uh, on Sunday, no matter what kind of condition he, he's in, and generally not to make his spiritual status worse than it is if he is in a state of sin. So the way Bergoglio sets this up, is that it's it's uh, like an either-or thing. Uh, when the question of a uh, cohabiting couple, what you have is that they have other obligations that they have to meet as well. And if you can get them to do less evil, that's fine. But there's not an absolute uh, uh, opposition. And he's trying to create one in order to uh, uh, give a pass, as it were, on the evil is very sneaky. Uh,
1: another thing I would like to point out too is that in the Catholic religion there is no such thing as conservative and liberal. And I would say that to people who didn't grow up uh as I did under the last days of sanity in the Catholic Church uh where, there was no conservative and liberals. They they didn't exist. The terms never existed. There's the Catholic faith. The Catholic faith is one. This conservative-liberal business is something that is a product of modernism, and and conservatives and liberals recognize each other as legitimate as legitimate wings of of the of the same system. Uh, Pat Buchanan said once, uh, mocking that he said, "Left wing, right wing, it doesn't matter. It's the same bird." <laughs> and. That, That's what you have in this, is that the conservatives, people look to the conservatives as if they are the the Catholic wing uh, against all of these nasty liberals, and they're not. They are simply slow-moving modernists who adhere to and assent to the modernist system. They are uh, they are the, cabo- the caboose on the train. The locomotive is Casper and Bergoglio and all of the others. They are the the, the radicals. They move over the track first, and the conservatives are all uh, are Mueller, who's a modernist, and Burke and all of the others who move over the same track later on a long freight train, and then you have everyone in between all of the different shades of liberal and conservative in between. But the thing is moving according to modernist principles, and it's going to an inevitable goal, a terminus, which is a a complete transformation of Catholicism into something totally unrecognizable. And and, and we're seeing even now the natural law being torn down before our eyes, things that that shock us and even shock neoconservatives. Uh, to the point that they are even talking, say, to vacantism now.
0: Speaking of transformations, there is a, uh, or excuse me, there was an article which came out on the 25th of September uh, on uh, Chiesa Express Online by uh, Sandra Magister, and the title of this was The Reform of the Papacy as a Work in Progress. And in this article, Bergoglio is talking about the divisions, uh, and he says, uh, quote, During her journey in history, the church is tempted by the evil one who attempts to divide her, and unfortunately she has been marked by grave and painful separations. Then he goes on to say, What is certain is that, in one way or another, behind these lacerations are always pride and egoism, which are the cause of all disagreement and which render us intolerant, incapable of listening and of accepting that there is a vision or a position different from ours. And together with prayer, the Lord asks us for renewed openness. He asks us not to close ourselves to dialogue and to encounter, there's that word again, but to take up everything that is valid and positive that is offered to us from one who thinks differently from us or holds different positions. That sounds sweet, doesn't it, Uh, Your Excellency? Oh,
1: it's wonderful. It's uh, something the modern world would love. Uh, But uh, again, it goes back to dogma, the reason for the divisions was that the Catholic Church was adhering to its God-given dogma and that the people who were splitting away were denying the God-given dogma and that the Catholic Church had no choice but to preserve its God-given dogma no matter what the consequences and it's not a question of tolerance or intolerance or intransigence or anything like that. It is a question of being faithful to the doctrines that have been handed over to us by Christ. And the the Catholic Church's very fidelity to her divine spouse uh, it requires that it, it remain faithful, even if, if every single Catholic should be martyred, it must remain faithful to that truth. You know, he's saying absurd things that lead to—he's uh, equating adherence to dogma as some sort of prideful intransigence and foot-stamping foot in a fight or something in, a, in, a, in some sort of a spat, and that we have to get over these things and, and heal our wounds and all of that nonsense. That's uh, as a matter of fact. The church bent over backwards to to h- help prevent those things. I mean, Luther, Cardinal Cajetan went up and tried to dissuade Luther. Then there was the the famous debate. Uh, the the Protestants were invited to the Council of Trent to come and talk about things. I mean, the, the Catholic Church has bent over backwards so many times. The Catholic Church has made overtures to the to the Greek schismatics and the Eastern schismatics. Time and time and time again, but always with the idea of returning to Rome. Not with some sort of ecumenical overture, but returning to Rome. Uh, uh, and, uh, it, it, you know, that's the history of the Church. The Church has never just shut the door on these people. It has always made efforts to bring them back.
0: Well, continuing with the absurd analogies, on uh, the 9th of October... We have a story uh, from the Vatican Information Service, uh, where Bergoglio uh, has to say that the church is the house of the Father, not a customs house. Uh, During the Sixth General Congregation, Bergoglio made made an address during their continued debate on difficult pastoral situations. This is Part 2, Chapter 3, entitled, Situations in Families Concerning Unions of Persons of the Same Sex. Firstly, it was underlined that the church is not a customs house, but rather a house of the Father, and must therefore offer patient accompaniment to all people, including those who find themselves in difficult pastoral situations. Father, you have something to say about uh, Bergoglio's well, customs he's, house? He's used that thing before.
2: He, he's used that expression before, uh, about uh, six months ago. And what it is, is uh, it's an expression of, of uh, contempt. The idea is is that uh if you insist on the moral principles uh you you are being petty, you're like the customs agent who's uh, looking through your uh baggage to be sure that you're not bringing uh you know any sausage illegally into the country. All I can
1: say is I hope he has plastic gloves on. <laughs> <laughs> <I can say. laughs>
2: so it's a it's it's this idea this this uh uh contempt for uh for moral principles. That uh you have to uh, look past uh look past immorality and uh, um uh, uh... give people a free pass to do otherwise is to uh... insist too much on these petty little principles
1: it's another absurd analogy but which uh... rings a bell with modern people oh yes that's true people should not be going through our private lives as if it were our suitcases at the airport it's really stupid but it it appeals to the modern mentality, and and he's a master of that. He is a master of throwing out these things, which are catch words and and catch expressions that make people agree with them. Not the people who are going to church, though. <laughs> the the the. Uh, but all of these people who don't believe in God anymore anyway, and will do whatever they want, whether Bergoglio agrees with it or not. They think, oh yes, that's nice that the Catholic Church is finally coming around on these issues.
0: I think the theme for this show could be Bergoglio's hatred of dogma. Cause we move on to this next story here, October the 13th. Title of the story: that Laws Are Obsolete If They Don't Lead to Jesus." This is a Catholic news agent, or excuse me, Catholic news service article by Carol Glatz. God's laws are meant to lead all people to Christ and His glory, and if they do not, they are obsolete. Pope Francis said in a morning homily. Uh, in fact quote, the scholars of the law in Jesus' day were so wrapped up in doctrine as an end in itself that they were unable to see that Jesus was leading people down a new and surprising path towards his glory he goes on to say they forgot that God is the, is the God of law but he is also the God of surprises the scholars of the law had forgotten how many times God surprised his people like when he freed them from slavery in Egypt. They were too wrapped up in their perfect system, of the, perfect system of laws, a masterpiece where everyone knew exactly what he or she was supposed to do. It was all settled, and they felt very secure there. The scholars of the law also forgot that the people of God are a people on a journey. And then he asked the people to reflect, Am I attached to my things, my ideas, am I closed? So, just more hatred of dogma
1: it's another uh, total misunderstanding of the gospel uh the the uh the very reason why the chief priests and Pharisees rejected Christ was because they didn't understand their own dogma's they didn't understand the prophets they they had invented their own laws uh, which were not the laws that they were found, that were found in sacred scripture and that's what our lord criticized them for but that he criticize him for not understanding the prophets and and not listening to Moses. Uh, that, so he doesn't even understand the gospel. Uh, one wonders if he has even read it. Uh, and then he's, he's making this again, I would say, brainless statement that uh, comparing the uh, the, obje- the state of the Pharisees and the chief priests to people who insist on Catholic dogma. Now, don't forget, he's condemning all of Catholic tradition when he's saying this. He's condemning all the doctors of the Church, all of the popes, in their insistence upon dogma. Pick up the Denzinger. That's the, the, the book of all of or the principal declarations of the Church. It's full of dogma. It's full of anathemas against those who deny dogma. It's full of creeds. It's full of professions of faith so he he is flushing away the whole catholic faith when he when he does this when he says these stupid things i mean they as i said uh, in another place i don't know which is the more uh, prominent or prevalent quality when he says these things stupidity or boldness i mean the boldness uh, of of just wiping away 2000 years of catholicism by saying something like that it's just absurd comparing the, all of the saints and doctors of the church and the popes of the church, all of the hierarchy of the Catholic church for 2,000 years, to the Pharisees and chief priests who crucified Christ. My God.
2: Another, uh, another note in here is the evolutionary idea that pops up whenever he uh, speaks about uh, questions of, of, of uh, doctrine this idea of uh, the typical modernist idea of people on a journey. And this is a a standard uh, comparison, a standard analogy from the 1960s, that, well, the people of God are on a move, we are a pilgrim people, we're uh, evolving as we go along, and we are also responding to the signs of the times, as Vatican II said, and as Bergoglio says here. So you, uh, in addition to this contempt for dogma and in addition to this this uh, contempt for the sense of the gospel uh, from this guy, you also get this uh, idea of uh, uh, being a part of this dogmatic ev- uh, evolution of the people of God, the people who are ever on a journey.
0: Well, speaking of creeds, October the 13th story uh, from the Vatican Insider, uh, Andrea Tornielli, says that faith is not merely reciting the creed, and following laws is not enough. Bergoglio says, he's, he's explaining faith now. Faith, he explained, quote, is not merely reciting the creed. It requires us to shed any feelings of greed and wickedness in order to learn to give to others, particularly the poor. He goes on to say, that which avails is faith. Which faith? That which worketh by love. This is the same thing Jesus said to the Pharisee. A faith that is not merely reciting the creed. We all believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, he says the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, eternal life. We all believe. This, however, is a static faith, not one that is at work. Speak for yourself.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the orthodox sense in which to take that, but we're not going to give it that. But the orthodox sense would be that uh, it is possible to have the virtue of supernatural faith, but to be in the state of mortal sin, where the faith is dead. That is the. It's not a a false faith, as as Ratzinger once said, which is a heresy. It is. It is a dead faith. That is, it, it doesn't have the life of charity. Uh charity is primarily love of God, and uh it is love of neighbor for God's sake. it is a supernatural virtue so if he if that's what he means, I don't think he means that, but if that's what he means, then it's an orthodox statement. I think what he really means is again we must detest dogma, we must detest the creed, which what really matters is that we embrace people no matter, you know, what they're doing, or, or, you know, even with their sins and approving of their sins. That's, that's, I think, the sense of it.
2: That reading, Your Excellency, would certainly be consistent with uh, his comments to that uh, uh, group of Protestants that uh, um, you... that the dogmas really don't matter. It's just this. Uh, it's just the action uh, that matters. That uh, that is uh, that is w- what uh, Christians are supposed to consider. In that, that um, encounter with the Protestants, he talked about the the treasure uh, that we have in Jesus Christ, and he uh, he he's said that well, we prefer to use imitations of this treasure. And those imitations are the differences that we have uh, between ourselves. But uh, the the real thing is is, uh, the treasure, that we have the same baptism
1: and holiness, uh, etc. He must sit and think up in his room ways of attacking dogma. He comes up with all of these crazy analogies that he makes, and it just seems like he he has it on his brain. That's all that he thinks about, and and thinks up these these really idiotic
0: speeches that he
1: gives, attacking dogma. It's it's all the same stuff in in a different package every time.
0: Joining arms with the uh, the Bergoglio dogma death squad here, we have Casper, <laughs> who who comes out on September the twenty ninth. Uh, and he is, he's responding in an interview uh, where he's, he's being presented with his critics about his stance on divorce and remarriage. This was published in, um, in Argentine's Daily uh, La Nacion. He says, quote, Some cardinals fear a domino effect, that if one thing changes, everything will collapse. That is their fear. All of this is related to ideology, an ideological interpretation of the gospel. But the gospel is not a penal code. As the Pope said in the Apostolic Exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, quoting St. Thomas Aquinas, the gospel is a grace from the Holy Spirit manifested in the faith that works through love. That's a different interpretation. It is not a museum. It is the living reality of the church. We have to walk with all the people of God and see what their needs are. Then we have to carry out a discernment based upon the light of the gospel, which is not a code of doctrines and commandments. That is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's a denial of the faith. That's Mhm. Uh it's it's refreshing to hear them be so frank. This is really Bergoglio speaking, but not as frankly and that's not any kind of a pun on his name either. Uh not as frankly and Casper is coming out and saying that the Catholic Church is not a not a it does not consist of doctrines and, and moral codes. Uh, that's a denial of the Catholic faith. Uh, he's a heretic.
3: Mhm.
1: And and yet he has this prominent place in in Bergoglio's eye, the apple of his eye, and and he was uh, one of the prime movers at this Senate.
0: The other quote in the story is uh, Casper saying that uh, these decisions on divorce and remarriage cannot be decided only from the top. He says, quote, it cannot be decided only from the top, from the hierarchy of the Church, and especially you cannot quote old texts from the past century. Oof, that would be horrible.
1: Uh, how about texts from the first century, like the g- Holy Gospel, that if you marry someone who has been put away, that you commit adultery? I think that's from the first century, and I think a very famous person said that. Mm-hmm. Someone who still has to learn to walk with Jesus, I think. Yeah. It, 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 it insults intelligence to say we can't cite things from the 19th century. The, you know who is he talking to? It's for, you are know, going to accept this th- such stupid statements like that, it's just uh, as if we're idiots. The the this goes back to the very very essence of our faith. These are things pronounced by our Lord and Saint Paul. The the divine scriptures of the Catholic Church. Not some you know nineteenth century theologian about how many wings are on angels. I mean, that's what he is comparing it to. Again, one of these absurd analogies, and and he he is profiting from from this. This is he obviously knows what he's doing. He's old enough. He's eighty years old. This man. Think of the of the training that he got as a child, and what he grew up with. I mean, I grew up with it. I'm 64 years old. He is, he is 16 years older than I am. He's from the 1930s. He knows that this is all nonsense and wrong, but these people are heretics. These people sound like Martin Luther in the boldness of these statements. They're heretics. And they, they are, are running around the Vatican, which is a palace for truth a palace built for truth, the St. Peter's Basilica and all of those Vatican buildings, and they have infected it with with heresy and apostasy and blasphemy. And the sooner the people wake up to that, the better.
0: You are listening to Francis Watch on the Restoration Radio Network, brought to you by Novus Ordo Watch. I am your host, Justin Soder, and as always, I am joined by His Excellency, Bishop Donald Sanborn and Father Anthony Chicata So far, this episode, we have been covering the absurd statements over the last month, as we do every month, but they seem to get more absurd as time goes on. We'd like to remind you that Francis Watch is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can usually be very easily obtained by writing to us at mail at truerestoration.org. So now we sort of shift gears and go into um, the the summaries of the the Synod document, which we we were speaking about last episode, Your Excellency and Father, and this was a – story, which came out of the Vatican Information Service on uh, October the 13th, and it's it's sort of going over this post-discussion report of the extraordinary Synod on the Family, and this is coming from a Cardinal Peter Erdo, who summarizes the Synod Father's main reflections that may have emerged during the general congregations, and he says, quote, turning our gaze to Christ reaffirms the indissoluble union between a man and a woman, but also allows us to interpret the nuptial covenant in terms of continuity and novelty. The principle explains Cardinal Erdo, must be that of a gradualness for couples and failed marriages, with an inclusive perspective for the imperfect forms of the nuptial reality. Realizing the need, therefore, for spiritual discernment with regard to cohabitation, civil marriages, and divorced and remarried persons, it is the task of the Church to recognize those seeds of the Word that have spread beyond its visible and sacramental boundaries. So, Father, uh, you know, what do you what do you make of this statement? Well, the
2: uh, all you can say about uh, cohabitation is that it's uh, uh, mortally sinful and that uh, it is wrong. You don't need uh, discernment with regard to that, whatever that term may mean, because someone has discerned that already. So
3: the, you're just
2: blurring the issue. With uh, uh, by saying that one has recognized the seeds of the word and so on uh, 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 that have spread beyond its visible sacramental boundaries. This, by the way, is the language of ecumenism uh, that uh, one finds in uh, John Paul II's uh, document uh, Redemptor Hominess uh, from uh, 1980 it's also the the it's it's part of the idea of of, of the um uh, modernist heresy of the church which we call uh, the frankenchurch heresy which talks about all of these uh, different elements of the church that are somehow uh, outside it uh, all these elements are supposed to be considered uh, good and fine it's just that they they don't have fullness or perfection and, and that is what uh ergo is arguing for here when it comes to the question of uh, uh people living in an uh illicit union well one one of the other lines uh in uh, this by the way was the first document the sort of midway document of the senate uh one of the lines that uh Nearly made me laugh out loud. Where he, he said, frequently cohabitation or de facto unions are not dictated by a rejection of Christian values, but rather by practical needs such as waiting for a stable job. <laughs> what? Uh, I mean, is hungry a different planet? Well, well but, 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 Father, but. Father, the the Father basis hold on. Hold on,
0: Father. The basis Don't you remember? <laughs> you know, Bergoglio came out last year and said that you know the greatest evil in the world was youth unemployment. I mean, this isn't you know this isn't a rejection of Christian values. This is an employment issue.
1: <laughs> I guess it all goes back to that, well, right? Two can live can live cheaper than one. You know. Yeah, that's right. right. And, and that,
3: so that's
2: that's that's the, the, the only reason for it. You, for it. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's absurd, and they're grasping at straws to cover up uh, something that uh, is sinful that they know they should denounce as sinful.
1: Yes, also, there is nothing positive in sin. There's nothing positive at all in it. Uh, Considered morally, it is total ugliness and deformity. There is not a single redeeming factor in mortal sin, or any sin for that matter, considered as sin. It is distortion uh, of of the soul and and the a, a, you know, plunging of the soul into something ugly in the sight of God. There is nothing redeeming about it. There are no positive things in it. And the very love between the you know these people involved in these various unions is an evil love. They're not not you know because you love something doesn't mean that you may may licitly love something. Adultery is to love some someone that you can't have. It, it has no redeeming aspect about it. The, the thing to do about a, 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 a temptation to adultery is to remove yourself from the temptation to, to somehow get away from the person that you're attracted to. It, there, there is no value in it. There, there's, there's no positive aspect about it. What are they talking about? It's as as we say, it's as ugly as sin. To show
3: show
2: that they've com- uh, completely lost uh, the sense of that teaching. There's uh, another comment further down, where um, moving on to the issue issue of separated couples, divorced persons including those subsequently married, Cardinal Erdo underlined that, quote, it is not wise to think of single solutions or those inspired by a logic of all or nothing.
1: (laughs) So they they have uh,
2: no concept. I think Frank
1: Sinatra did a song like that. All or nothing at all. So he must have been one of those Byzantines or something. He also did a song
0: called um, "I Did It My Way," so you know. I mean,
1: he would be condemned, I think, by Bergoglio. Yeah, uh, he he's he's got all the wrong ideas, though. Well, there's
0: also there's also another quote here where where Erdo says uh, you know the issues of homosexual were were, were raised and his response was. Quote, with regard to homosexuals, it was underlined that they have gifts and qualities to offer the Christian community. The church must therefore be for them a welcoming home, unquote. So and this
1: is a, another completely stupid statement. If they mean by this that homosexuals make great ballet dancers or great interior decorators or uh, great accountants or anything at all, well, of course they do. That that's a completely stupid thing to say. That it, it, because we're, no one is saying that because they're homosexuals that they they cannot have certain talents and gifts and qualities. Of course they do. But then that 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 stupid analogy comes over to uh, you know that we should welcome them. The idea being that we should approve of their sin. That's what that means. And and be, you know, because they're great accountants or they're great antique dealers, we should uh, approve of their sin. It's, a, it's just one of these other... Not one more example of this greasy and oily way in which they try to, uh, through through a, a dumb analogy, make something pass as, as legitimate, which is totally disgusting in the eyes of God. The way to welcome them home is to preach a sermon to them. Maybe have a... You know, gather them in a, in a room, preach a sermon to them that they have to break up these horrid unions. They have to repent of their of their sins, go to confession, and lead a chaste life. That's the way to welcome them home, because that's the only way home for them. And what what is this is doing is to uh is to encourage them on their path to hell because they're living in sin and they're living in a very very serious form of sin. They're they're being encouraged on their path to hell.
0: Mhm. Well, moving
2: and along the here, the language that's used all of this is is uh camouflage and and there's camouflage put over it and and uh the smoke and mirrors to uh, draw attention away from the real issue.
0: We have another story here. This was from the Vatican Insider, the 9th of October, and it's it was entitled The Synod is Split on the Issue of Divorce. And this is a Vatican spokesman. I don't think they actually identify. Oh, yes, it was. It was uh, Lombardi that that said this. It says, the Vatican spokesman said participation peaked during yesterday afternoon's session with a synod split down the middle between those in favor of allowing remarried divorcees to take communion in certain cases and others against. He says, uh, so, so pastoral care must not be repressive but full of mercy. During yesterday evening's open debate, the synod's participants said that it is important to carefully avoid making any moral judgment and speaking of a permanent state of sin. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, the
2: whole I- whole idea of an occasion of sin, unnecessary, proximate uh, occasion of mortal sin—all of that goes out the window. Because if you can't talk about something like that, uh,
1: then uh, you can never solve the problem. Yeah, it, it's it's just another abandonment of uh, the Catholic moral code that has always existed, and it is a a subterfuge for the approval of. Of filth, the permanent state of sin, St Paul says adulterers are going to hell; they will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty permanent. Hell is forever so that I would call that a permanent state of sin. It would, would seem to me if they can't enter into the kingdom of heaven and they go to hell, that means they have already begun their hell in this life they're they're just as those in the state of sanctifying grace have already in a way begun their heaven uh in, if they persevere in it uh, so also if they if these adulterers persevere in in these false unions these filthy unions uh, they they are in a permanent state and they will remain in a permanent state of sin uh and burn forever in hell that's the catholic faith
0: well father did you see the story from october the 9th the two cardinals who backed sacraments for the divorce and remarried that was the the cruxnow.com article by john allen
2: oh yes that that um that was quite interesting uh
0: to me especially
2: because one of them was actually the head of uh two important commissions in the Vatican uh first of all the uh commission for legislative text his name is uh, Coco Palmer uh Coco Palmerio. so he's the head of the the uh, uh office in the Vatican that uh, uh interprets legislative text and he was also put on the uh speedy uh annulment commission uh he he's uh the head of that but uh bergoglio put a uh, put him on that to uh, move those those uh, really slow annulments along you know the, the roadrunner approach the beep-beep annulments so he but it's significant because uh, of his his uh, position as a someone who's considered a big gun. Legally, uh, as far as legal questions go, in uh, the post-Vatican II Church, he obviously he's the opposite of uh, he's the opposite of Burke. So he says that in the case of uh, urgencies and necessity, um, uh, Catholics who are living in this sort of union ought to be readmitted to the sacraments. So uh, the example he offers was. A woman who had married a man who had been abandoned by a uh, first wife through no fault of his own, was left to care for three children. woman who married him is now helping to care for the children, is considered to be in an, an irregular marriage. She cannot abandon the union of those children. In those cases, we have to do something. Well, the solution before uh, was that you live as brother and sister, And if there's no scandal, there's a way uh, for you to receive the sacraments. But that is not what uh, uh, the Synod uh, obviously wants to propose. Uh, They want uh, people in the Second Union, the adulterous union, to continue to have uh, uh, marital relations illicitly and to receive the sacraments. And uh, Cocoa Pomeria is looking for a solution for that.
0: Can you tell us a little about the analogy there, Father, when you know, uh, Coco Palmario says you can respond in two ways? You could do nothing in order to respect the law, or you could act because it's a case of necessity and urgency. Does acting risk breaking the law of the Sabbath? Absolutely not. That law remains, but there are, there are cases that force me to act. Tell us about this analogy here, Father.
2: Oh, that's completely idiotic. Uh, the uh, I- idea is what he's proposing is directly opposed to St. Paul. Uh, which, uh, who who says very clearly in Corinthians, that, uh, you know, those who um, are not uh, worthy to receive the uh, Eucharist, receive it, uh, and in so doing, make their own judgment, judge themselves unto condemnation. So if he wants to pick uh, some analogy from Scripture, uh, that's the one that uh, he should pick.
1: (laughs) Also there's another false analogy here he is uh, it's uh, you see necessity uh, does uh, excuse in a man-made law or even divine law what what we call divine positive law that is not based on nature it it uh is uh it it applies in cases where something is wrong because it is prohibited in natural law, it is prohibited because it is wrong. And so in case of necessity, there is a, a dispensation. The same Thomas says necessity knows no law. That refers to cases of man-made or even divine law, what we call divine positive law. For example, not to do servile work on Sunday
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, or the obligation to keep holy the Lord's Day. Uh, these, these are divine positive laws, and they are reinforced by church laws. Uh, that the necessity dispenses. So, however, everything that concerns sexual morality concerns the natural law, and therefore anything that is contrary to natural law is intrinsically evil. This is the very, very traditional teaching of the Church. And when something is intrinsically evil, there is no possible dispensation or exception admitted. You would have to accept death rather than Violate the natural law that's the teaching of the church that there is no necessity, no exception, that is permitted because precisely it is contrary to nature, it is by its very nature evil, intrinsically evil uh, that the the circumstance that that would uh, demand some alleviation cannot change the nature of the thing, uh, so for example, we cannot murder somebody out of necessity. We cannot say, well, you know, a a baby would be an embarrassment to me. It might be an embarrassment to a lot of people or a financial burden to a lot of people. But for that reason, we cannot therefore conclude that we can murder a baby because it's intrinsically evil to do that. We have to accept whatever hardship there is, in order to preserve the the law that is of nature, which is ultimately of God, and which is connected to the very essence of God himself. And so this is a false analogy. He's taking these laws of the Sabbath, these Old Testament laws of the Sabbath, you know, the donkey and the pit and all of that, and saying, well, because our Lord said necessity dispenses in this case, and of course he was right, uh therefore necessity dispenses in the case of adultery. <laughs> it's just totally absurd and contrary to Catholic teaching and and even natural law.
0: Well, we have a story here on October the 9th, uh we're we're learning a new new term here called uh inductive theology, which sounds really important. Sounds very, very, uh, you know, very erudite here. It's a, it's a, it's a National Catholic Reporter article by Joshua McElwee, who is, um, he's, he's quoting a, a response uh, at a bishops meeting in the Vatican by a Canadian Archbishop, uh, Paul Andre Durachet, Who, uh, the story goes like this: Bishops meeting at the Vatican to discuss issues of family life have to relearn how to do theology in order to address contemporary concerns. An Archbishop attending the meeting said Thursday, quote. Unlike in the past when bishops or theologians would deduce theology from general, sometimes idealized notions of God or humanity, the prelates at the Synod of Bishops on the family are using inductive reasoning to instead examine theology in the reality of families today. The prelates, the archbishop said, are, quote, finding that the lived experience of people is also a theological source, what we call a theological source or a place of theological reflection, unquote. Well, that's new
1: no it isn't no it isn't it's in the 1907 encyclical paschendi
3: uh,
1: this uh, it's uh, it's modernism condemned by saint pius x it's right in there i recommend to everybody that they read that encyclical you will find all of these things in there condemned uh, he said it that that the, the modernists say that the uh that dogma is something that proceeds from below that people uh, that dogma is the expression of the people's religious experience, and that it should change as people change. That's that's in the encyclical. So it's it's as old as the Model T and all of those ancient automobiles that you see in museums, and horses and buggies. That's how old it is.
2: It's uh, uh, a typical theme that again that teaching does not. Doctrine and moral principles do not proceed from revelation, but rather they come, uh, they arise from individual experience in the individual uh, consciousness. And again, he is he is pandering. This is the, the case of them pandering to the ideas of the world. That well, everyone. Uh, In modern society, those who accept the givens of modern society have this this idea that each person has the right to his own experience, and each person has the right to his uh, own opinion on a uh, moral question, and uh, one man's opinion is as good as another. So this is uh, something that's, uh, uh, again, they are pandering to that idea. And then you have the the crazy idea that, well, uh, you're going to look at the experience, uh, ask uh, people who are living in an adulterous relationship, uh, and ask them uh, to give you a, to to be a theological source for figuring out uh, whether or not what they're doing is right or wrong. What do you think they're going (laughs) to say? Any guesses? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know what my
1: experience would be.
0: So. <laughs> well, there's, now, there's another it
1: again s- is is a descent into the absurd, and it is an insult to any thinking person, and really to any Catholic, to to say such uh, ridiculous things.
0: Yep. There's a story that came out also on October the ninth. Well, October the ninth was a busy day for these stories. I guess that was the day when all of these things were starting to bubble up to the surface. That's
1: that's is, when he said there is no God. God right. does not exist.
0: I guess and it also floodgates. happened
1: to be the anniversary of Pius the Twelfth's death.
3: Mm. Ah. Mm.
1: Imagine in nineteen fifty eight if somebody said in two thousand fourteen, the Pope, quote unquote, will say God does not exist Imagine if somebody said that in 1958, you would have stared at them and said, whoa, you're crazy, you're out of your mind.
0: This story from October the 9th from the John Favis blog, it was a bit of a uh, stern warning, as the story calls it, from a French archbishop who uh, said that, quote, most Catholic couples do not feel bound by the church's teaching against contraception, and the couples are generally not questioned about their practice by priests. You know, to which you could say, you know, in in other news, dog bites owner, right? I mean, this is this is nothing new.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so the, the reason why that was never accepted is because priests told them that they could follow their conscience about it. And this document said we have to respect the consciences of those, uh, you know, who uh, feel that they must control the number of children they have. This this synod document that was uh, uh said that, that uh, which is essentially to say we have to respect the consciences of those who uh reject the the catholic church's teaching concerning artificial birth control because uh, something like 90% reject it if you look at the polls it's very consistent I mean, practically everybody rejects it and practically everybody is practicing it and the reason mm-hmm. for that is the clergy because the clergy told them that, told them that they could do it and it's against the natural law it it is onanism onan was struck dead in the in the old testament for doing that very thing it it is uh it is uh, st thomas aquinas says that it participates in the notion of murder it deprives a baby of its of its chance to live and uh, it, it is a, a it is a horrid thing and it, it really is is along the same lines as abortion because it It makes the human being the ruler of the reproductive process and not God. And that Mm -hmm. leads to the mentality of abortion. If you can stop a baby from being conceived, then you can stop its life, too.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, Father, I I want to let you lead in with this one here. We're, We're treated to another buzzword here called gradualism. This was the Vatican Insider story from October the seventh. So we're off the ninth. We're you know we're on the seventh now. So could you could you explain a little bit about this term graduality?
2: <laughs> well, it, this was another term that uh, we heard quite a bit after uh, after Vatican II. And again, it's uh, part of the idea is that uh, this this process and this this evolution of um uh, uh morality and this this uh evolution of implementing different moral principles so uh, here uh this buzzword uh came up again as part of the idea of a dialogue with the uh, dialogue with the world that you're going to have a uh, uh discussion with people who essentially have uh, uh, secular values or who essentially have uh, no religion and somehow uh, gradually in their moral lives uh, lead them to do what they're supposed to do. So the uh, idea behind this is that you uh, soft-pedal in uh, the Church's teaching the doctrines that the modern world does not like to hear, that adultery is a sin, that contraception is uh, a sin, uh, and so on. And uh, you hope, if indeed you still believe those things are sinful yourself, that people will uh, come around. So the idea is that you never have uh, any notion of a firm condemnation of things which are uh against the natural law, or things which are against the divine law. That uh, in effect you speak around the issues all the time of the morality is, of something because that that's considered to be uh, uh judgmental and you simply uh emphasize pious uh, uh platitudes or maybe even not so pious platitudes.
3: <laughs> God does not exist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Father, there's a, there's a quote from this story here And uh, it says "From many quarters, however, there has emerged the need to adapt the language of the Church So that the doctrine on the family, life, and sexuality is understood correctly As in, it's not been understood correctly up to this point
3: yeah. He goes <laughs> on to
0: say It is necessary to enter into dialogue with the world Looking to the example offered by the Vatican Council Or rather, a critical but sincere openness if the church does not listen to the world, the world will not listen to the church. Unquote. This is, uh, to me, this 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 stood out as Vatican II's credo is still in full force. Huh.
1: Yes, that is Vatican II. It's *Gaudium et Spes*. The the uh, that the Catholic Church essentially has to adapt itself to the modern world, and this is the the ultimate outcome of Vatican II. He's absolutely right in that, uh, and. uh... uh just uh, up to now, it has not been totally implemented. But Bergoglio is, is striving to totally implement the ideas of Vatican II. Vatican II was a radical, radical departure from Roman Catholicism. the The, the glory of Roman Catholicism is that it does not change with the world. And it, it was to to destroy that tower uh, of Catholicism, that bastion of Catholicism, uh, that rock. <laughs> Uh, that never changed. It was to destroy it, and, and this is where it goes. It just goes down the tubes of adultery and homosexuality and all of the other dirty things that people do, uh, and and eventually there's nothing left. Mm-hmm.
0: There was there was one other little line from this story here, which to me it sounded like lumen gentium being applied to marriage. It says D- during a- excuse me during yesterday's afternoon session it was underlined that even imperfect situations must be considered with respect for instance de facto unions in which couples live together with fidelity and love present elements of sanctification and truth. We're
2: back to Vatican II ecclesiology again and the <laughs> denial
1: that anything uh, can be evil in itself. Where is sanctification in adultery? Yeah, where is it? Where is it found <laughs> it It's injustice and dirt so in, in in the world of injustice and dirt, where do you find good?
3: mhm yeah, it's, kind
1: of, it's just talking to people who want to hear this stuff i mean it's talking to the Henry the and, and that that idea that if the church doesn't listen to the world, the world will not listen to the church, that's a lot of nonsense. Our Lord contradicted the the chief priests and Pharisees all the time. He did not listen to them and dialogue with them. He contradicted them and he called them a uh, a a group of vipers and and whited sepulchres full of filth and all uh all filthiness uh i mean he he was uh very very clear about their deviation from the truth. And uh, these these are just sayings that these people make up in their crazy heads. Uh, The the church must preach the gospel just as uh, St. Anthony preached the gospel to the fish because the, the people would not hear it, so the gospel must be preached even if no one hears it, even if everyone has closed their ears to it. And St. Paul says that there will come a time when they will close their ears to it, but the Church must always preach the Gospel, whether in season or out of season, as St. Paul says. It must always be the same, and it must always be the same Gospel. These are modernists that have abandoned the Catholic faith, and as I said, the sooner the people understand that, the better. Our worst enemy in this whole situation is the Catholic who thinks that these people are still Catholics who who try to see uh, the clothing on on somebody who's buck naked they they're buck naked heretics and they they try to see catholic clothing on them those are the the worst enemies of the church because they should be reacting with strength and and firmness against
0: these heretics this this next story we're going to see Father's definition of gradualism illustrated. And before I read this story, I want to I want to issue a little warning here that if you have little ears in the room, you you may want to mute this or shoo them away because this is somewhat of a uh, rather graphic story here. This is from John Allen. Uh, it, this is uh, uh, the Synod's key twist of the sudden return of gradualism. This was on uh, October the eighth, and uh, he says all of a sudden that the 2014 Synod of bishops. Uh, on the family gradualism is a concept in both Catholic moral theology and pastoral practice which not so long ago seemed on the verge of being stricken from the official lexicon is back with a vengeance it was probably that sense of gradualism that Pope Benedict XVI had in mind in 2010 when he said in an interview with a German journalist that if a male prostitute uses a condom to try to avoid infecting people with HIV or AIDS it can be a first step in a movement toward a different way a more human way of living sexuality unquote your Excellency, I'm going to let you take that one because I've heard you talk about this before. I think you can define it best.
1: Yes, this is uh, this is what I call media magisterium. You see, that was an interview, and so he's just you know chatting with this fellow, and here he gives this case of uh, someone who is permitted to do something intrinsically evil, and I won't even describe it. But uh, some uh, dirty, filthy, intrinsically evil act uh, of preventing uh, uh, normal relations, uh, and uh, on the, under the pretext that, uh, that he's doing something good by protecting the other person from getting AIDS. So, uh, again, this is a destruction of the very thing that I was talking about before, and that is the destruction of the notion that something is intrinsically evil. Even if you could protect the whole world from destruction by a single venial lie, you could not do it, because a lie is intrinsically evil. And even if you could protect somebody from from the evil of getting AIDS, let's say, the uh, you cannot do something intrinsically evil. The best way to protect the person from getting AIDS is to walk away and not, not perform the evil act. So the, the, the permission of these things to the male prostitutes and then a few days later it was permitted to the female prostitutes tells everybody by means of the media magisterium that the Pope says that it's all right to use artificial birth control devices. And that's the way it was taken. And they're right, because if it's permitted for those people, then it must be by nature permitted for everybody, Uh, as i pointed out at that time you know how do you qualify for that do you have a car do you belong to a club or a union that permits you to violate the natural law with regard to those things you know where where do you draw the line there and common sense would tell you of course that's absurd it's if it's permitted to them it's permitted to everybody and this this media magisterium they're no longer using encyclicals and 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 various latin documents they are promulgating in a very efficacious way the complete destruction of catholic morality by means of the media by saying these things so that people will commonly say well the pope says you can do it and they're right if, uh, if I'm assuming for a moment that this character is the pope they they are right the pope says you can do it and that's satisfying to them that's their magisterium. That's that's they, they are they are is, they don't make the distinctions of whether it's a, an encyclical that was signed on this day or that day, and and there was a seal on it or anything like that. They don't make those distinctions, and that's what the these modernists have have uh, reverted to or, or have have invented is a media magisterium, which is extremely effective. You know, if somebody. Uh, Said I was in a store today, and somebody said to another priest that I was with, you know, what denomination do you belong to? And he said Roman Catholic. And I felt like turning around and saying, but we condemn adultery, we condemn sodomy, and we condemn fornication. Because the very term Roman Catholic now means that you assent to those things because of these these this media. It's almost a shameful thing to present yourself as a Catholic priest today people think mm. you're in favor of all of these things I, I feel like adding that when they ask me because there has to be some distinction this is a, a tearing down uh, of of just even common decency natural law it it's revolting it's nauseating and uh but that that's the uh, that yes the, the, this uh this gradualism these little comments these these throwing bones out where people do the logic and understand that all of this is permitted
2: it's also uh, the other edge of that sword is it uh, allows those so-called conservatives who would be uncomfortable with this with with uh the logical conclusions of these pronouncements to say that well it was simply the Pope speaking to the media. It wasn't anything really it wasn't truly official uh teaching, so you should not be scandalized by it, and here are twelve reasons why uh you shouldn't draw the correct conclusion from it. Even though uh the people who say these things, Bergoglio and his, his stalking horse Casper and uh, the different uh men who represent uh, Bergoglio used the media uh, very effectively uh simply to do that to be the uh, a new form of the magisterium so it it has it has that effect as well that it it, it uh gives a little bit of consolation and cover to uh, those who uh, would consider themselves uh, more faithful to traditional catholic teaching but it really doesn't because the effect is, is the same. It uh, destroys uh, Catholic faith and destroys Catholic morality.
1: Yes, and it's clear that these people are public heretics. I mean, that cannot be denied by any conservative uh, who wants to try to preserve Catholicism in this horrid Vatican II system, or who wants to see a Catholicism in it. These people are public heretics. They're apostates. Imagine, God does not exist there is no Catholic God. And, and and all of the other hard things that have been said that we've talked about tonight, these people are public heretics. They are excluded from the Catholic Church, and they should be denounced as such.
0: There's an interview which was posted on the 15th of October on, uh, on Rorate Celi, where Casper... Our favorite Casper is back again, talking about, uh, you know, essentially having to defend himself uh, that he's not changing church teaching, and on and on. And he talks about how the synod was, you know, certainly the spirit of the council was there. This is very true. He slams That's for Africa sure. quite. <laughs> yes. You know, he slams Africa. What spirit thing. is
1: another question.
0: <laughs> many Yeah, you know, he he. Uh, he goes on yet to slam Africa, saying, well, you know, we can't talk about the gay issue with the Africans because this is taboo and, you know, it's not possible and they're backwards. The question posed to Casper is, but people feel the church's teaching is going to be undermined by your proposal if it passes, that it's undoing 2,000 years of church teaching. What is your view on this? And his response is this, well, nobody is putting into question the indissolubility of marriage. And so he's pressed on it and says, well, the teaching does not change. And he says... No, the teaching does not change, but it can be made more profound. It can be different. And then he he says... It can remain the same but be different. (laughs) Right, the same but different. (laughs) Then he says, then it's very telling. Then it's very telling. He says, this is also not a change, but a development on the same line. Of course, the Pope wants it, and the world needs it. We live in a globalized world, and you cannot govern everything from the Curia. So Casper is saying this is what Bergoglio wants. So people should not continue to say, "Well, oh, he's not in control. He's, you know, he this is the, this you know, these are the bishops causing this." No, he wants it.
1: Well, no, that's the evil entourage. See, mm-hmm. Casper, you you don't understand. The Holy Father is is you know he's as conservative as Pius X himself, and he mm-hmm. can't do anything. He's weak. And Casper is part of the evil entourage that is saying things for the Holy, for the Holy Father that are wrong. You, you don't mm. understand.
0: And you're of course, I'm being that.
1: sarcastic. <laughs> I think Casper is, is uh, a very uh, faithful spokesman. Uh, and the fact that, uh, that Bergoglio applauded him and, and gave him great accolades back in June, I think it was, uh, is a sign that uh, that that that's so. He would not have done that except that he said that Casper that does theology on his knees. You know that this is uh, you know give me a break. The the uh, the uh, I think it's absolutely true what Casper is saying. He has uh, a path to Bergoglio. He talks to Bergoglio, and Bergoglio likes what he's saying. I think it's very credible um, that what he's saying, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah yeah go ahead <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many times you can say the same thing <laughs> right
3: uh,
2: all
0: right well another well, point
2: on this was uh, he got into trouble for talking about uh, supposedly being demeaning toward the africans but i think actually what he was uh, doing when he was talking about uh, taboos is he was making the point that well uh, certain Uh, what we might think of as moral rules uh, are actually peculiar to different cultures. So the Africans have this this idea that homosexuality is is bad, and maybe that's the case in their culture, but in the Western culture we've developed a different understanding of things in terms of human rights and so on, so we handle that on, on our level, and they handle that on their level, so there really isn't... A uh, universal that we're talking about here. I think that's an element in in in, in his uh, in his response.
1: I think it is demeaning, though, to say to call it a taboo, as if it were some something from the uh, ancient uh, tribal religions that is a holdover. Mm-hmm. These, these African bishops, to their credit, are upholding the natural law. They're upholding the teaching of the church, and that's referred to as a taboo uh, uh, the uh, the very term is uh is demeaning as if they are holding to you know something like snake worship or uh or shrunken heads you know it's a taboo <coughs> by the way that comes from the South pacific it doesn't come from africa that word uh but you know it's 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 associated with uh some, with some of these primitive religions and and superstitious religions. But, you know, why are you attached to these taboos? It's something to get over. Uh, It is very demeaning. I think it's very insulting to them. And what about their experience? (laughs) Haven't they been polled? <laughs> you know, we were supposed to go and find out the experience of of people about the family and all. Well, and and he he uh, he just uh, pooh-poos all of their experience and and calls it a, a taboo, as if it's you know, it is the natural law. To their credit, they are upholding the natural law.
0: Hmm. Well, Father, I want you to lead into this next story here. This is uh, this is a story from the Vatican Insider on uh, October the eighth. About premarital courses needing to be stricter,
2: well again, this was something i I read. I nearly laughed out loud i mean uh, the uh the the practice in many dioceses that uh, I'm familiar with is that to get a marriage in a modern diocese, you have a whole load of hoops that you have to uh jump through uh you not only have to uh, fill out documents and go to a couple of classes, but you you have to have to uh, uh, go for six months, you have to go on couples retreats, you have to uh, uh fill out uh, you personality inventories to establish your uh, uh, compatibility for marriage. And you know I've run into couples like this who have ended up coming to uh our church and becoming traditional Catholics because they figure that isn't there something very strange about this that you know we have we have uh to to uh, jump through all of these hoops to get married as as uh, Catholics so when I see this uh, the, this pronouncement or this suggestion that well we have to uh, make these courses stricter, I mean the only thing you're going to get is more uh illicit cohabitation you know sure. it's 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 uh uh you know something that's uh something that's inevitable because people will say that well, you're going to make this even stricter than it is uh the heck with it it's it's uh, t- uh too crazy I simply want to get married. why can't I simply get married so uh it, but as I say i think it's it 's a sop to uh conservatives to say that well we 're going to put up the uh more of these these barriers, so presumably there will be fewer annulments, but of course, there won 't be fewer annulments because uh, the, uh, Coco Palmarios is, is, is uh, working on the, uh, you know, the Acme and course, which, uh, will, uh, make things as speedy as possible. You put the power to do that in the hands, basically, of, of, uh, diocesan bishop, and, uh, very quickly, it'll be go in peace to love and serve the Lord, and uh, to marry someone else. So... It's it's a this whole program is a um uh, is 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 a sop that's intended to give the conservatives something and i think it's ridiculous
0: well we're going to move on here we're going to try and and uh condensed this this last portion of the show here with these final messages of the synod here. And, and Father, I found it very interesting that Bergoglio ordered the non-approved passages of this synod to be printed with this. The the the, uh, the blogspot um, blog on the 18th of October gave the vote count, and I was hoping you could count, you could kind of comment on that. Yeah. That.
2: Um, the, first of all, it's very strange that you publish what was not passed by some sort of an assembly, okay? But uh, Bergoglio ordered this uh, published, I think, because he uh, liked these ideas and wanted to circulate them. The, it was uh, quite surprising, though, to see that uh, while you needed two-thirds to pass um a paragraph in this this final synod document. Uh, the votes in favor, the number of votes in favor were actually very high. You had, uh, for, for one of them, this penitential path uh, and sacraments for the divorce and remarried, it was 104 in favor and 74 against. Then the deepening of the question of the relationship between sacramental communion and spiritual communion, uh, 112 in favor, 64 against. You're getting pretty close to two thirds. And that the third one, welcome homosexual persons with respect and gentleness. Um, 118 in favor, uh, 62 against. The vast majority of these people were JP2 and uh, B16 bishops who had a reputation for being conservative. The significant thing to my way of thinking is that there's such a high number of these guys in in favor of these particular proposals. And I think that that that... Shows us the direction that this is going that Bergoglio's indicated he wants it they're gonna do it.
1: Mhm, yes, I agree with that that uh Bergoglio it shows that Bergoglio is totally in favor of the left side and uh, that he wants to show the world that uh this is what really most of the bishops think. And uh, that it's it's a few recalcitrants and uh, intransigents and uh, what did he call them uh, people who had hostile rigidity uh, yes. that they were they were holding out. I think that's the point. Yes.
0: So we move on here to the reaction to the Senate, and I'd like to make this sort of a rapid fire session here, Your Excellency and Father, because there are, there are a lot of names that have come up that have you know, been very vocal in their opposition to what was what was going on and what, what came out of this. And the first one was. Uh, Dr. Robert De Mattei, who had a had a piece on uh, that was covered on uh, Roberto Celie, the need to resist the heretical trend, and you know he starts making these points that this dismantles two thousand years of the Catholic faith, that this Church doctrine is turned upside down, and on and on. And this is much of the same. He had it in the piece we covered last month, where he just misses the mark. You know, he he sees all of the problems, but fails to draw the conclusion.
1: Yes, again, same old, same old. What is far worse uh, for in their mind than Bergoglio and all of this horror is Sedevacantism. The uh, they, they just see it as, as the horror of all horrors, and they would sooner be united with a Bergoglio than to take the Catholic position that is, is in accordance with Catholic doctors and theologians and even popes, that he who becomes a heretic cannot rule the Church. But he gives all the logic of it right here. How can you say all of those things and not conclude that this man is not the pope? Mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yeah,
1: how how could you re- how could you avoid that conclusion? Right. Well,
2: you get to the point of you're talking about a heretical trend. Well, mm-hmm. there's heresy, and that has consequences to it. And who is pushing the heretical trend? Who is
1: in favor of the heresy? Yes, but they use the word trend. That means, you know, some sort of tendency and all of that. They, They speak around it in the same way that the modernists speak around things. They don't call a spade a spade. Is this Catholicism or not? Yes or no? Is it Catholicism or not? If it is, then shut your mouth and don't complain about it. If it is not Catholicism, then denounce it as heresy. And Draw the conclusions that those who are espousing it are not Catholics and cannot rule the Catholic Church. But to use, you know, the heretical trend and, well, you know, they absolve themselves by hand-wringing. This is this is the way they, this is a, a self-absolution. They they hand-wring, oh, this is really bad. This is really, really bad. And, you know, we have to do something about this, and this is all so bad. Then it's all gone. See after the hand wringing session. It's you know, things go back to normal and Bergoglio's the Pope, our Holy Father, the picture is up and, and everything's fine.
0: I've never heard it put that way, your Excellency. That's that's uh that's very accurate. That's extremely oh, it accurate. is. It's
1: it's a self absolution by hand wringing.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, we have just a couple of more headlines here we, we, uh, under the reactions to the synod category. We have we have some uh, some titles here. I'm just going to read the titles because we we could spend time sort of you know, rehashing the same thing. But we have some articles on the American Conservative where Francis is described as a liberal Machiavelli. We go back to our favorite uh, uh, Cardinal Burke says that the meeting at the synod was designed to weaken the church's teaching and practice. Uh, that he said, uh, you know, the Pope more than anyone else is, as the pastor of the universal church, is bound to serve the truth. He's not free to change the teachings. More articles from Rade Celi, that the that there is a Roman source, quote unquote. I like that. That says that this is a manipulated synod. Uh, you know, we have you know chaos is the plan. And then there was an interesting article by uh, Pat Buchanan uh, titled "The Price of Papal Popularity" where. Uh, Buchanan raises the specter of setificantism, where he says, traditionalists believe moral truth does not change, nor can Catholic doctrines be altered. Even a pope cannot do that. Should such be attempted, the pope would be speaking heresy. Would be. And and as is Catholic doctrine, the pope is infallible. He cannot err when speaking ex cathedra on faith or morals. This would imply that Francis was not a valid pope, and the chair of Peter is empty. So he said it. He said it. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, at least uh, I'm happy to see that finally those uh, people are turning toward that as a very strong possibility. At least that's a, a sign of, of some hope that they cannot resist the logic anymore. It's it's in front of their faces.
0: There's two stories remaining that I would like to cover before we close the program out tonight. And we're going to come back, and Father, I'll let you take this one. We come back to our favorite Franciscans of the Immaculate. They continue to be beaten up, beaten to pieces, beaten down by Bergoglio. What's happening with the Franciscans this month?
2: Those poor guys. Um, they <laughs> <laughs> they just—I mean, uh, the whipping post. It's, uh, It's—it's it's like a, a Bergoglio punching bag. Bergoglio appointed this commissioner named Volpe, uh, in effect, to uh, get the Franciscans of the Immaculate up to the the standards of the new party line. Uh, some of them uh, did not want to w- go along with it. They wanted to go to uh, leave the Franciscans of the Immaculate and go to a diocese where they could say motu masses and uh, under the, the um, Benedict XVI's motu proprio and, and uh, uh, exercise their ministry there. Well, the commissioner is making trouble for them and not... Uh, letting this procedure go along smoothly. Normally, you would have no problem with something like this if you're uh, in a religious order where uh, the situation has has become somehow intolerable for you. You're asked to transfer to a uh, diocese. Normally, you'd be left off the hook. But in the Church of Mercy of Bergoglio, apparently this is not... Um, uh, this is not something that's done if you're interested in the um, uh, traditional Latin mass. That that's obviously not the uh, obviously not the new line. So um, these people, the people who wanted to leave, in effect, are ended up end up ecclesiastically in suspended animation.
1: It's a persecution. I mean, it's obvious uh, here. People are are saying and doing hard things on on the left side, and he is obsessed again, obsessed with hunting down anybody that might be uh, preserving tradition. Uh, he's going after some bishop in, uh, in Liguria, too, that, that yeah. has uh, many seminarians, more seminarians than all of the other uh, seminaries uh, in the ecclesiastical province put together. He's conservative. I mean, he he no. he, does, he has uh, the traditional Latin mass. He, he's theologically conservative. I mean, of course, he's a modernist like all of them, but he's theologically conservative. That attracts people. There 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 are crumbs of Catholicism to be found there, and that attracts people who are starving for it. And uh, so he's being uh, he's going to get a coadjutor who will be effectively the bishop of the diocese, reducing him to a powerless state. Uh, that's what's going to happen to him. Yeah, and the, he went the, after I think the Bishop of Liechtenstein too and uh, he, he, here and there you see uh, cases. Somebody brought up the question, why does the SSPX, why would they even consider joining up with, <laughs> with Bergoglio when these horrible things are happening to all of these people? It's a, it's a question, but I, I answered it this way. I speculated that they might be under a uh a join or be excommunicated rule see they're floating right now they are not excommunicated but they're doing disobedient things like ordaining priests illicitly and so they're floating the the the, the whole marriage is off and and things just broke up uh, uh and now they're they're getting away with it essentially so i'm wondering if they if they were not told look you have to do something otherwise we're going to excommunicate you again well there's there's a shot shot over the bow um,
2: by the cardinal uh, archbishop of albano where they have their their house near rome and he issued a statement uh, saying that no you can't uh, assist at uh, their masses because you participate in their uh, uh, in their disobedience so uh, maybe that is 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 turning around
1: mm-hmm. you know
2: maybe maybe there is some sort of a threat that we don't know about
1: yes because that was quite a uh high-end meeting with mueller and and uh denoya and various other people uh, it was it was an important meeting that happened oh, yeah. a few weeks ago yeah. and uh you just wonder and it was a long meeting i think it was three hours yes so yeah. they they had uh, a lot to talk about and uh, so you just wonder what what transpired there but just one last thing that I would like to mention and that is the five minute applause. Yes. That Bergoglio at the end of this horrid I think I've used that word about twenty five times in this interview. uh, uh synod well that's the you know I need maybe to get out of thesaurus to find out more words that would describe that. Uh but the uh that he got a five minute round of applause from these bishops. That's, that is very significant to me. That That is more than simply an honorary, you know, thank you, Holy Father, for your contributions. That is to say we applaud and approve of your whole program. To To clap for five minutes is to make a very strong statement, not to mention how much your hands hurt after five <laughs> minutes of clapping, especially for some of those older gentlemen. <laughs> but... It, it is. It is. It, it's almost obsessive. It is to. It's. It's like a mob cheering revolutionaries.
2: And these are the supposedly uh, conservative B sixteen and JP two bishops yeah. who are doing this.
0: Yeah. That sort of reminds me of you know the applause that the, 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 you know Stalin would get you know where people would would be afraid to stop clapping until they just dropped where they stood. You know, Solzhenitsyn talks about in the gulag. People were terrified to stop clapping, so they would clap until they fell in place. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you we know, did say
2: he's a Stalinist, right? We did. Yes. We did. You so know, it fits. He, it he's
0: fits. a real Stalinist leftist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to close the show out with uh, one last story. And I was, uh, I was telling both your excellency and father before we started the program. You know, this is this is for our listeners. They have heard for the last hour and oh, fifty-seven minutes or so now the Catholic response to everything that they've seen happening from quote-unquote our side of the aisle, which should just be the Catholic response, but. What does the other side say? What do they offer in return with all of these things that they're seeing? How do they handle it? Well, I point your attention to a remnant newspaper article online entitled, It Just Doesn't Matter Anymore. And this and this story is from a uh, Magera Arrhenes, who is answering a Novus Ordo priest who identifies himself as Father M, asking this laywoman if she thinks Bergoglio is an antipope and what to do about it. And she responds, My answer is that I believe it to be moot. We are looking to the past for precedent and the answer to the conundrum of this strange and obviously intellectually corrupted man, Bergoglio. I ask you, if the Pope is not a Catholic, does it matter if he is an anti Pope? Do such canonically defined categories, dependent upon long standing precedent, apply to this? How can they? I don't know what Bergoglio is, but I know nothing he says makes any sense. I know he cannot be followed or obeyed, not because of his heresies, which are growing more manifest by the hour, but because of the incomprehensibility, the sheer nonsense of his utterances. And she concludes this by saying, it is a grave error to imagine that the highest authority is the Pope. So there's their response.
1: Well, I think Father Cercat is uh the yes, sort of, of that. Yes, i sort of chomping is, is at, classic the, at, at and the bit
2: about this. <laughs> this is talk about a doctrinal development. Uh, the <laughs> Remnant's previous position was you recognize the Pope, but you resist him. Okay, that was their their theory. But the uh, label I have for uh, this particular idea that it doesn't matter anymore, I call it Numanism uh not from the name of Cardinal Newman or from uh, John Henry Newman uh but from Alfred E Newman who was the mascot of uh Mad Magazine in the United <laughs> States when I was growing up and he popularized this saying what me worry so it, the the idea behind Googling that article, him on
1: Google images would give you sort of the the sense of the what we think about that uh, remnant theology?
2: Yes, it, it, the the sort of uh, intellectual look on this, this fellow's <laughs> face, I think, would, would uh, 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 say it all. So uh, the idea of what may worry, the idea of uh, that of Boniface the Eighth. Saying that uh, uh, every uh human creature has to be subject to the roman pontiff uh entirely subject to the Roman pontiff for salvation, and then uh you would add the clause though it doesn't matter whether we have one so uh that is the the essence of, of newmanism uh they uh people like this are driven to this this uh point uh because precisely it is becoming so obvious that this man is not a catholic but they do not want to draw the logical conclusion from that and the only logical conclusion is he's not a catholic he can't be the pope
0: indeed i think that is a wonderful way to end this uh this long show here thank you for your time this evening your excellency and father before we before we let you go, I would like to uh, I would like to ask what's happening at Most Holy Trinity Seminary and SGG Resources right now. So, Your Excellency, how's the academic year going so far?
1: Oh, fine. Uh, nothing happens at this seminary, I mean, <laughs> and that, as I always say, that's the way it should be. It is humdrum and work a day and uh everything you know the bells ring people go to their classes or they go to, to mass or uh, and that's the way a seminary should be there's nothing exciting about it <laughs> uh and uh but uh, we are you know keeping very busy uh we have father Trauner here from uh, uh he's visiting here and he will visit saint gertrude's i know uh, shortly and uh he's from the group of priests who uh, recently, and that, that means over the past year and a half, have left the SSPX and have become state oficantists? And uh, I saw them when I was in Europe, uh, in Germany, and uh, and Father Trauner, uh, who is Austrian, he accompanied me to Budapest, uh, and he is here, uh, I guess, checking out our seminary, and he has uh, already sent a seminarian here. Uh, who's working out very well uh, from Germany, and uh, he hopes to uh, send another one next year. Uh, So I think we are developing a good relationship with those priests. Uh, I think they want to uh, uh, sort of um, uh, attach themselves uh, in a a friendly way with uh, other uh, priests and clergy of like mind. Uh, So that's that's about the latest development from here.
3: Uh,
2: here at uh, uh, Saint Gertrude's, we just uh, completed a 40 hours devotion, very impressive over the uh, weekend. We're going to be receiving Father Trauner this uh, this coming week. He's going to spend some uh, some time here. The weekend following that is uh, the, the Sunday, the 16th, is the feast of Saint Gertrude the Great, which we of course uh, do up uh, very big here. Uh, as far as uh, other points of interest, we have a uh, Uh, On our SDG Resources website, we have our Holy Face calendar uh, available. You can order that. There's also a way to uh, enroll departed souls in our different masses during November. Uh, You can see that there. Uh, the next project that I'll be uh, working on is a, a crowdfunder for a second edition of Work of Human Hands. You will be uh, uh, hearing about that if you are on our mailing list uh, sometime within the uh, uh, near future. We're going to do a uh, going to do a second. Uh, printing a second edition of that, so the, there are a number of things that uh, uh, that are going on here, and I have to say that I continue to receive uh, several uh, messages a uh, week, emails a week from Catholics uh, throughout the world who, uh, in effect, have, have uh, finally seen the light on the question of sede uh because of all that's that's going on in uh, Rome with Bergoglio. And uh, are uh, that, and as a result of, of listening to these very fine, um, the very fine work that the people at True Restoration are doing.
0: Well, I'd like to remind listeners that uh, you can uh, discover more about the work of Bishop Sanborn and Father Chicata. You can visit MostHolyTrinitySeminary.org or MHTSeminary.org. Either either of those two work, or you can also visit. Uh, www.sggresources.org and you can find both of those links on the Restoration Radio homepage and are helpful links. You can hear wonderful sermons and of course SGG broadcasts the Mass daily I think now Father, is that correct daily?
2: Uh, yes indeed we do and uh, okay. you can find the link to that and the schedule on the
0: SGG site. Wonderful. Well your Excellency and Father thanks so much for your time this evening as, as always it's a pleasure it's a long show and I thank you for your time and, and the effort you put into the show.
1: Thank you, thank you for Justin. doing the show and interviewing us. You did a great job.
0: Thank you, Your Excellency. We will talk to you next month to close out the season. Looking forward to it. God bless you. God Bye. bless. Have a great night. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, once again, we'd like to thank our show sponsor, Novus Orto Watch, for their support, both financial and material, in bringing the show to you free of charge. Please be sure to visit their website at novusortowatch.org. If you're so inclined, you can keep up to date with the very latest happenings from the Modernist Vatican and, of course, Bergoglio's Daily Insanity. If you have any questions for our show guests, you can reach out to us at franciswatch at truerestoration.org, and we will pass on any questions or comments you may have to Bishop Sanborn or Father Chicata And, of course, as always, all correspondences with us are confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found the show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you would please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time that you pray. If you have any questions or comments or would like to reproduce our copyrighted work on your channel in some format, we'd also like to hear from you. You can contact us at mail at truerestoration.org. For The Restoration, I am Justin Soder, and may God bless you.